0: In the beginning, the universe was created.
1: This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This
2: This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and,
0: as as always, we we apologize for the inconvenience.
3: Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron, and I'm John. And today we have in studio with us Rick Buchanan and Brenda Bennett from RealMysteries.us. Say hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome,
0: guys. Great Hi. to have you here. Thanks Thank for
3: you for coming it. in the studio today. Today is actually we are recording this on the 20th anniversary of uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, and what we are talking about is a new podcast that discusses the Oklahoma City bombing in a serialized fashion. And uh, it's called RealMysteries.us. Um, Rick, tell us a little bit about the podcast.
1: Well, goodness, it's hard to describe uh, in my brain because there's so many aspects to the podcast. And that's part of why we had to serialize it is because uh, when we first started, I had told our executive producer, Don Swift, I said, there's about 4,000 individual stories here. Right. So which ones are more important than the others? So I kind of outlined for the group, uh, Brenda and a guy named Ken Sarkey and Jeremy Gossett, uh, just what I thought 11 episodes should be. And we've kind of followed that format for the most part. Uh, But we start out with, where were you at 902? It's one of those moments. I'm old enough to remember where I was when Kennedy got killed. You're very right. old. Uh, very old. Yeah, JFK. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Martin Luther King. I will. He's very stuff old. Stuff like that, Berlin Wall. But uh, this is one of those moments, especially in Oklahoma history, yeah. where just about everybody remembers where they um. were. So we start with that, and then our goal is to, I guess, at the end, which we're kind of wrapping it up now uh, with the 11th episode, and eventually we're going to do a 12th, is uh, how do you prevent things like this from happening again how do you recognize it in people that's a big question to tackle yeah, yeah. well and Brit, it, and it?
2: Is it even if that is even possible right
1: is the question
0: how so, do you approach a question like that actually like where do you start with that
1: well i think it, it, you have to describe the carnage that happened here and what kind of warped mind it took to think that you could kill innocent people but your attack was against or your argument was against the federal government so how do you justify that and you really have to have kind of a warped mind it's it wasn't a an Isis deal it wasn't anything like that it was somebody had a disagreement with the federal government who said I think I'll choose a building that has the most federal agencies I'll I'll choose a way to attack it in such a way that I hope to destroy the whole building and everybody in it. And he literally I think went through a phone book and looked through blue mm-hmm. pages yeah. and decided on Oklahoma City.
4: That's crazy. And, and you say that because there were the most like diverse set of agencies in this right. one building that yep. wasn't just ATF or And FBI some
3: very or... specific names that he associated with Waco.
1: Right, well, Bob Ricks, who's the police chief up in Edmond now, but he was uh, still with the FBI at the time. So it it was an attack, but it it turned out that it was an attack on innocent people, innocent children. And so if we can explain that and teach it to uh, the younger generation, I think Brenda did an interview with Kerry Watkins, who's the executive director, and Kerry said 51% of the people that live in Oklahoma City, didn't, didn't live here. Didn't grow up here, didn't, right. didn't live in here at that time. That's right. Yeah, which yeah. was that's a crazy. huge
2: number to me. I, didn't, I would never have thought it was that large.
3: Was something like 2,000 new people a month are moving to Oklahoma City?
4: It's yeah, a lot. I don't remember where we heard that stat, but that's... Um,
0: Mick Cornett. Mick Cornett. Yeah, and oh, that yeah.
4: may be yeah.
1: growth, but we're just talking churn. You have churn at Tinker. You have churn in the oil and gas industry and stuff like that. But when you think of all the incoming and outgoing people, there's people who have passed away. As well, but the 51% of the people weren't here. So we wanted to tell the story in such a way that hopefully, uh, at length, that you can have with podcasts, that you could tell a complete story Mm -hmm. and hopefully the most complete story that's out there outside of the museum.
2: Well, and then you go back to not just the new people coming into Oklahoma City, but you've got people like my son who's 21 years old. He was one when it happened. And so, you know, I don't know how much of this they're teaching in school, but for him to hear the story laid out in this way, you know, maybe it will make an impact on him. And maybe it will encourage other kids, kids, I call them kids, (laughs) young adults, to go look at the museum and see everything that's there and really understand how big this was and the impact that it had on our city
0: I was that that is actually an interesting perspective I was a senior in high school when it happened and so whenever the anniversary comes around i often think about where I was when it happened but a lot of times uh, you, you fail to think about the perspective of like I spent a lot of time with some friends this morning that they weren't here when it happened and so a lot of times I have to realize like oh they don't they're not thinking of it the same way that I think of it or it's right. not they don't have a memory of it the same way that I do and so I think it would be great to have a way for somebody to go back and kind of get a history of this, to go back and get a feeling of you know what was going on. What
3: what I like about it is that even though I didn't know anybody very personally that was was killed or injured in it, we had a cousin who survived it. One of my classmates, his mom, died in the bombing, and then a, one of our neighbors had died in the bombing. Mm. And then we came up here and helped uh, load some trucks for feed the children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I watched the news, read the newspapers, I read the book American Terrorist. Um, Just it was something that happened in my life and I wanted to know as much information about it as I as I could. But the podcast felt so much different than what I've experienced and what I've read, because it it told the story in pieces that you guys are putting together and it shows how everything interconnects and how everything fits together and Having experienced all that and with my familiarity of it, I still feel like I've learned more about it from your podcast uh, in addition to everything
4: else. She does uh, a
2: great job. It's been fantastic.
4: I've lived in Oklahoma City my entire life. I was 13 when it happened, and so I'm in a unique position where I do remember where I was. um, I watched news constantly after my mom worked downtown at the time, and so she was very close proximity, and she was in the medical field, so there was obviously a huge connection with that. But even so, I'm only I think I'm only three episodes into your podcast at this point. Um, But I've already learned things, and I've I've even relayed them to other people that were here in Oklahoma City and knew all this stuff. And they were, you know, one of the things I learned was that for whatever reason, I don't remember the details, but like every head of emergency response was in downtown that morning.
2: There are things I learned. Same thing, you know, like
4: that blew my mind. I was like, that's that's crazy to me that they were they all just happened to be downtown already, and it what allowed them to have this response that was so fast that it
2: wait until you hear the episode where Janet Reno talks about how, what, what, what were the numbers, Rick, about how many people were, uh, heads of departments and dispatched here, um, that were,
1: um, that's voluminous. I'm, I mean, I don't remember the count Maybe from like <laughs> all I over know, the country that came here. Or... Right. Yeah. And they sent in squads, uh, you know, uh, There are certain FEMA squads from Phoenix that Mm -hmm. had a certain specialty from L.A. that had earthquake experience and stuff like that. John Hansen, who was a deputy fire chief at the Mm -hmm. time, uh, great guy. And I had been press secretary at the time, so I knew uh, I got to see it from my perspective because my guy, Frank Keating, was uh, a better way to describe him for contemporary people would be <laughs> uh the Russell Westbrook of uh, governors. He he just I'm had such sure yeah. he <laughs> had such energy and it was difficult for me to keep up. I'm I don't know how much younger I am than him. I don't want to make him compared to you established or old. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but he was nonstop. He was twenty, twenty two hours a day, so I was twenty, twenty two hours a day. Uh-huh. And to see the circuit that he did and and his wife, and everything they did. And w- literally, to put this together, when you think about it, here it is 20 years later, and you think about, as we all saw this morning, here's Bill, Bill Clinton, who we all remember as vibrant, mm-hmm. and uh, this and that, and he looked tired he looked this morning. He gave great speech. He, did. he looked
3: frail, is, he is frail. how
2: I would
1: describe it. He did. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times when I thought Kerry Watkins was going to nudge him yeah. and uh, <laughs> wake get. him he up. <laughs> but... Uh, it, Keating was so energetic, and so I got to see it from, uh, it's kind of like a, a soldier in a war. Yeah. gets to see the ground troops, and you can see the guys. So you were
0: the press secretary under Frank Keating at that right. time. And, that's, and uh, it occurred to then. me
1: that a lot of these people in another five years, 10 years, 15 years, who knows, God forbid, no. that they won't be with us. Mm-hmm. So it, we were able to pull them in and say, what did you see? How did it work? And that's the advantage uh, that we've had by these people all still being here that we could pull them in and say, Tell your story. Yeah. And it, I think it's very effective.
3: Very effective. What, what's been the response like you, as you've approached people and asked them to be on the podcast? Do people, are people still wanting to tell their story?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the people I've talked to. Rick has made a lot of these phone calls because of his connections that he's had. But Mm -hmm. the people I've talked to, it's almost um, um, cathartic or healing, I think, for them to talk about it. And there are things that are coming out when they talk that, you know, I think that people may not have even ever heard. Like Kathy Keating was talking about details around, you know, things that went behind, behind the scenes that I don't know that anybody's ever heard some of these things before.
0: Well right. one of the eerie things that happened for me when I first started listening to it is that one of the first people that's interviewed is Trey Davis. Right. Who used to work for KTOK. Well, right. his wife at the time was my high school drama teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so he was kind of the first person that I knew that, you know, was he was there when it happened. And so yeah. when I started listening to this was like that's that's Trey. I, I can remember him talking about this This when I was in high school, but never in detail like what he told in the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. And and that was probably the first time he'd ever yeah. been right. asked. You're really? right. It probably was the first yeah. time and he'd some, ever been asked. You could hear, you could mm-hmm. feel, you could almost touch his emotions yeah. when he was talking back to us. Phil Bacharach, a guy who McVeigh mm-hmm. uh, sent letters to, he had written for the Oklahoma Gazette yeah. and eventually Esquire Magazine published it. But uh, Phil started to choke up and I saw a little bit of it today and I've seen it over the last few weeks where the media people, Brenda was in media, a lot of reporters, anchors, uh, they were all emotionally affected by this and they're telling their stories. And so there, I don't think there are enough mental health professionals in Mm -mm. Oklahoma Mm -mm. to deal with all of us Mm. who were profoundly Affected. It's not just the 168; it's those injured just and family members, know. and those who were here or saw it on TV.
2: Well, even down to—and I told Rick this. My brother Brian Bruce, he's a journalist for the Journal Record, and at the time he was at the Oklahoman, and he was doing um, obituaries. Mm-hmm. And so he and several other reporters—they were in a room for days and. Oh, wow. um, Writing obituaries for people, and he was affected. Yeah. And so you look at all those people down to that that level; it's just amazing. And there are not enough hours or podcasts that we could do yeah. to let everybody tell their stories.
0: Well, now, Brenda, you're you're kind of one of the main voices of the podcast, right? One of the kind of the the host, right? Right. Um, so you, you sound
3: you sound great on the podcast, by the way. Oh,
2: thanks. Well, wait,
0: so fun. you you used to be in right, like you were a DJ on. Was it Kiss FM or KMGL? Or? I was in
2: radio and television for like 20 years. At okay. the time, I was on Kiss FM. I was the program okay. director, and um, I did afternoon drive. Um, but we, you know, we went wall to wall news. Right. It wasn't typical for, you know, a, a music station to talk like that. And so everybody on the air became, you know.
3: Whoever was on, I believe, whoever was on the air that morning on almost every station, just remained on the air.
2: Yeah, and Jack and Ron, they were my morning show, so they remained on the air until I went on. And so I went on probably at two that afternoon, and then I was on all day until midnight. And so it was really them and me, because a lot of our a lot of our on air personalities didn't have that news background, or they were very young, and so we kind of took the people who had news and you know had that experience just to kind of take over so
0: when well, and I, and I bring that up too just to get to give our listeners kind of a sense of you know rick and and everyone involved with this podcast um I mean, you guys aren't just from oklahoma city i mean you guys have been professional journalists and broadcasters for years and, and lived through this just to, just to give you this is a very good... It's very well done. It's a very, very, very good Thank podcast. You. So, Thank you. Thank like, you very much. We go back and we listen to a lot of different podcasts. And Whenever we started listening, it was like, this is really well like done. I, I
3: had a, My daughter goes to Tumbling in Edmund, and the mother of one of her best friends was telling me about it. Kara Parent said, have you heard about RealMysteries.us? I said, no. Because mm-hmm. I was telling her that we were getting ready to do some podcast episodes, and she told me this on a Monday night. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. She goes, yeah, um... You know Rick and Brenda Bennett, and just started naming all these people, and I said I got some work to do, and I went home that night and just
0: binge listened, <laughs> yeah. just binge listened to really. the whole
3: thing, um, and just just kind of got chills while yeah. listening to wow. it. Wow! I said I get chills um, every
0: time I listen. Really? To an episode of it, yeah. So I started yeah. it,
3: was, had to look at the, the masthead on the website. Do you call those mastheads on websites? Um, you guys have <laughs> anyway. a heck of a team. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about the team yeah, who's who's helped make this podcast possible?
2: Well, I just got lucky to be brought into it. So, <laughs> Rick is really um, kind of the brains behind the whole thing. Well, he won't, it, he won't tell he won't tell you that, but I will. <laughs>
1: the The idea started with Sumble. a guy named Don Swift, who's a publisher, local publisher. He has a, a what's it called? Ion. on Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Eye on mm-hmm. Oklahoma. So it was his idea, and and we wanted to model it in the style of cereal, right? And so we wanted that kind of quality. And uh, so Don, the guy kind of said, Hey, what do you think? And we all agreed. And there's another guy, Ken Sarkey. Mm-hmm. He owns Cornerstone Studios up in Edmond. And it's a nice place. It's in his house.
3: Yeah, so, I saw a yeah. picture of him. Oh, looks nice. <laughs> very cozy. He never has
1: very sleep. Cozy. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Gossett, who has a show on NPR, it's a jazz show. And, and Jerry almost uh, appears to be a psychologist without a degree. Uh, oh, wow. People tend to open up to him yeah. uh, pretty easily. I don't know why. Yeah, so <laughs> he, so he just has that yeah. gift. And so it's that five, and then we have Stephanie White, who's kind of a booking agent. I'd say, all right, here's a number. Call this person and get them. And we're still trying to get a hold of Bill Clinton. We we were supposed to have him yesterday. Yeah. Saturday. Oh really? Yeah. We were talking about on the way. Yeah. Down we're like, why yeah. didn't we get him on? Here? Apparently, well, he's busy. The guy, the key <laughs> 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 to uh, Bill Clinton is uh, Mike Turpin. They're, right. they're dear friends, and we're still we're going to get him. We may just have to tag it yeah. at the end of one of the episodes. Yeah. But all the people that. Uh, you know, from Frank Keating, Kathy Keating, to some of these other people, they're people I know. So I just said, use True. my name, call them and say, Rick's involved in this, and, <laughs> and we'll move forward. And I'm with Rick. <laughs> there you <go>. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> with Rick. yeah. My my yeah as, I'm with Rick. There's someone everybody from now on. That's my
4: name. That's my name. I'm with Rick. We'll be using your name in the future. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I
1: don't We've know, any family. restaurant, any McDonald's, and <laughs> ask for free water, and they'll give it to you. Awesome.
3: Um, how, how did you come up with the name for the podcast? I'm always curious about how many, how people come up with their names. Well, that
1: Real Mysteries? Yeah. Well, that's an umbrella title for other things. So there's a it guy is. named uh, Kent Freitas who wrote a book, Oklahoma's Most no- okay. Notorious Cases. All right? So he has stuff from the Girl Scout Murders with Gene Leroy Hart and some of the okay. other okay. stuff. A
0: movie that recently came out about and
1: that, So the whole idea was, well, we'll just we kind of went into it very naive and said oh, yeah we'll just call these people up and we'll we'll do the show it's a lot more technical than we ever thought it was and ken Sarkey is he's a perfectionist yeah and not only perfectionist <laughs> but genius yeah it's and good to he, have one of those all, around all <laughs> the music in the show is stuff he's creating he's
2: writing it and he's playing it oh, as well really? yeah it's yeah. custom music yeah
1: so he cool. he does a a bit you know under every deal uh, every episode, so it, it's an enormous deal. I've put close to 400 hours into it. Wow. I put four. Since I put four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's done great. It still sounds, it sounds more than 4 just I'm like. joking. But I think we started, we, we said, oh, let's start February 1st. We'll back time to where the last episode will air about the time of the the run, the whole idea was for people to come here to run in the memorial mm-hmm. right. could go run and listen to this or binge listen as, oh, right. as they're yeah. prepping. And, of Good course, idea. we have zero marketing dollars behind it, but uh, yeah, we were counts. hoping that yeah. it would catch uh, fire through either press or people like you. Well, that's why mm-hmm. when I listened to it, I said, "These yeah.
3: we, somebody's going to start talking about this. Right.
1: And eventually what you'll see is it will go on the city-county-library Okay. Uh, they'll broadcast it through their uh, link through them. And then we're talking to the Oklahoma Department of Education about making it part of their... They they actually, they passed a statute that you have to teach. Teachers have to teach uh, the as part of Oklahoma history, of the bombing. Absolutely. So this podcast will be part of that. So eventually oh, nice. there will be hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of downloads of this. But uh, currently... That's not the case.
3: I think I was your eighth Twitter follower.
1: <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's probably true.
2: Thanks. Yeah. We well then he was it. number
3: nine. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So yeah. back to your question that Rick totally didn't answer is what was it? Uh, where did the name Real Mysteries come oh, yeah. from?
3: No. <laughs> well he friendly. didn't mention
1: Katie Well, Ray. it's the umbrella title. <laughs> it's corn. This was somebody's gotta keep
4: him in line, right? This
1: was the premiere.
4: Right, so there'll be more. There will be
1: more. There'll be others. Number one. Right. And I'm assuming uh,
4: that the .us is both a URL thing, and I'm assuming that this scope is going to be US, not just Oklahoma Mysteries.
1: Right.
2: Right, and it was a URL thing, but yeah. It will be, you know, eventually I think it would be great to be not just Oklahoma Mm -hmm. Mysteries, but there are so many of them. There are so many in Oklahoma's history that we can tell. So that's kind of where that came from.
1: Yeah, but we need a break. I mean, literally, <laughs> uh, I'm going nuts. Yeah, I really am. He's been nuts yeah, for I'm a real tired. long time. He's going <laughs> nutty. early. Well, I mean, and let's—I'm going to be just crazy honest, and I think a lot of people associated with this need to be. I, uh, about three years after the bombing, did some counseling for PTSD, mm-hmm. and I think more broadcasters or people who were there. It uh, should be. It's not just the first responders. It's not just the police, yeah. fire, IMSA, stuff like that. I think some of the broadcasters, they they need to go air out some of these issues yeah, because uh, I didn't know it. I really didn't. And so it, it affects me. I, I, I think I've told you, mm-hmm. Brenda, before. I could be watching Modern Family or some type of comedy, and there'll be something in that that'll trigger tears. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know where it comes from. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I know it's related to the bombing. Yeah. You know? Sure. I, and I just, but it's just like, you know, my daughter's like, Daddy, are you okay?
2: <laughs> and and I'm like, back yeah, room. I'm fine. <laughs> no, you know, but, but it
1: affects everybody differently.
2: Yeah. And if you have you guys been through the memorials and yeah. oh, yeah. the renovations, so they did not, uh, not the renovations, but I've no, been through. They're, they're, yeah. they did a really great thing it's with wonderful. their kiosks. And they were they you know they have different kiosks for different groups. Like yeah. they have one for the first responders, and they have one for journalists, and they oh, have, wow. you know on and on. But you can go through and you can push this touch screen, and you can see a story from like one of the journalists, mm-hmm. and you can hear their story, and you can see the collateral pieces, like if they had you know. A, piece of paper with their notes on it, or whatever that was, and it's attached to that person. So, people who haven't gone through there to look at these things, it's it's pretty amazing.
1: And one of the journalists featured is me, Brenda. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
4: Now that's something I've heard more recently that also just I didn't I hadn't thought about that. Is the people that were on scene that weren't like you're saying basically the media that were just standing there just watching and reporting and mm-hmm. the effect and the impact that it had on them. I mean I don't. I'm going to resist naming any names because I don't know all the details, but um, I heard a sliver of a story about this reporter being on site and somebody coming out of the building who was, she she was like a first responder. She was doing something. She wasn't involved in the blast, but something had fallen on her, something she walked in the building. The nurse. The nurse. And Yeah, Yeah. the nurse had dropped dead right right in front of these journalists. Right. And just, I mean, I can't imagine what the impact of that would be to like see this person coming out who was supposed to be helping and all the stuff. And then to be that much of a collateral damage that it wasn't just from secondary, it was, I mean, almost tertiary at that point of like, Oh, right. And and
1: it's not just that day, Uh, but at a certain point they cordoned off the media and they were a couple of blocks away. Uh, folks like me that, we're hanging out with uh, Frank Kidding. Uh, we were walking up to that building every day. We were going from there to the morgue. We'd go from the morgue to First Christian, which was what they called the Compassion Center. From mm-hmm. there to the hospital. From the hospital back to uh, back downtown. So it
0: wasn't just something where it was like a like a one day event. Like right. It was. It was constant. Over and over and right. over again.
1: Right. Yeah. And so. You know, but I got to see it from a different perspective. So as you all were saying, you got to see and hear some or hear some things that you didn't know or hadn't Mm -hmm. read. Uh, For me, I got to hear some things because I never got to see TV coverage. I never got to listen to the radio or anything. So to have these people tell stories, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And especially John Hansen and the group, mm-hmm. like you said, they had all these department heads in a meeting downtown. They could immediately dispatch, respond, and have a control center set up within minutes. That's amazing. So it's pretty cool.
0: And it's probably something that I would assume doesn't... I mean, it's not like whenever you, you know, journalists and broadcasters or anybody else or first responders, you know, go out, probably don't talk about it a lot or talk about it enough. And maybe it, it's kind of coming around to a time where... More and more people feel comfortable talking well, about it Well, it's dawned it on me that
3: I'd, I've come across people who've had, you know, first-hand experience in the bombing, you know, people who were rescue workers or people who were immediately inv- involved in it or survivors, and it's never dawned on me to ask them to tell their story. I, don't, I almost feel like it's not my place to ask them to tell their story.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it almost feels, like, disrespectful, like, that's, you, you shouldn't ask somebody about so that. So
3: that's dawning on me is how many stories I have, we haven't mm-hmm. heard.
2: Sure.
1: But Maybe they need to talk about it. I think there's at least 4,000. There may be 12,000 or maybe 20. And how do you, uh, it's like I said, how do you say yours is not as important as someone else's? And we had figured out, was it episode six or seven, there's a couple uh, that met at the trial. Uh, The woman who lost her father... In the bombing. And her
3: husband had also died died from friendly fire in -hmm. Iraq. Right.
1: Right. And then she meets this cop. Uh, You know, she sees him on the plane as they're going to the... Trial and they turn out that they, they fall in love. Fall in love, they get married at the bombing site. That's and amazing! What a neat story that I don't think anybody else has reported I, I, on. I still don't know it. that. I mean, right. I like uh-huh. I haven't gotten you that episode. That. There,
2: yet, there, there was a <laughs> wedding <laughs> at the oh. memorial. Yeah, Oh, they spoiled it.
1: They held their wedding at the memorial. Yeah, right. And they didn't publicize it or anything.
2: No, they didn't want a big media circus. but it's a neat story, and it is episode. Six, seven, I think. Okay. Seven. So you get to hear it from their perspective. Right. They tell the
1: story. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think for me, just for me alone, if I, if this was only done for me, it has helped me heal. Great. Uh, to great. know that we could uh, pull in the Trey Davises. Mm-hmm. Johnny Hanson, Bob Ricks, Frank and Kathy West Lane, uh, West Lane yeah. Rocky Yardley, Full the Federal car. Phil, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Ryan, the Federal Prosecutor, Sandy Elliott, the State Prosecutor. I mean, you put the you say who are the main players? We've been able to bring uh, in those what I consider yeah. people that affected uh, the outcome, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty significant. So. Very proud of it. I, I just Peter wish we had more listeners and things. Yeah, know you should be proud <laughs> of it. And I'm like, you'll get you more.
4: You're saying yeah, they will definitely yeah, come. come. That's, that's right. not
3: a... Question. One of the things I wanted to ask you a little bit about, and I was listening to the latest episode again, because when I first listened to it, I forgot to jot down the name of it, but I think you guys have mentioned this book several times um, in the podcast, but there's a new book that's been published or recently new.
1: That's the Kent Frady's book. Is that the Freddy's? Was mm-hmm. there another
3: book that you guys had mentioned? Uh, there were simple S- truths. Simple truths. Yes. Right. So that's the one I wanted to yeah. ask about. Did you did you read Simple Truths? Or are you familiar no. with that book? No,
1: no. It's t- it it's seemed very like it voluminous. Yeah. It's uh, two lawyers and maybe three total, but one of them's an F or two FBI guys and and then Bob Burke, I think.
2: Yeah, I read uh, pieces of it for what we were doing, but not mm. the entire it was book. It's called Simple Truths. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it is it. It can take you, and this is with all due respect to people who believe that there were more than McVeigh and Nichols and, and Michael Fortier. Um, I don't believe that. I don't either. Mm-hmm. But there are people who do. And so I'll defend those who do, and I'll defend my friends who say, no, there's not. Uh, and I'll defend them vigorously. But simple truth uh, basically goes through all the evidence and narrows it down to, it's very simple, it's McVeigh Nichols.
3: Well, that's what I found fascinating about the book American Terrorist, which was written by a couple of journalists who interviewed McVeigh. Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And McVeigh goes, here's how I did it, and here's who I did it with, and just straight up told the story. And a lot of people in Oklahoma at the time didn't like people reading that book. They thought it was kind of supportive of Tim McVeigh if you went and read that book. They said, the only reason you read the book is just because He just lays it out straight. He tells you exactly who was involved and who did it, Mm -hmm. and then people thought the commentary. Well, can you believe him? I don't think he's lying. I think he told the whole story. Who were those journalists that
0: wrote that book? Aren't they?
1: A couple of reporters for the Buffalo News. Yes, we even tried to get a hold of them. Uh, We've had a hard time reaching them, but we're trying because they had. Because that's where Tim McVeigh was
0: from. Was Buffalo, right, right? that area,
1: and they have forty-five hours of tapes of interviews with him.
2: They have a lot of yeah. Wow. All
1: right. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure I want to hear McVeigh's voice. Yeah. I don't.
2: I don't. I yeah. had a hard time during this pod the first time I actually had to say his name, mm-hmm. it was just it made me mad. It just was vile almost. I had a hard time saying his name through this.
0: I can understand. And I don't that. I
2: definitely don't want to hear his voice. You know, yeah. I would
0: I could I could certainly read about it, but you're right. I don't I think don't want to listen to I don't think I could hear his voice.
1: Right. A lot of victims. I'm uh, friends with a cousin of uh, Aaron Allman Bailey, the little girl who was with the firefighter, and we reached out to her. And uh, through her cousin that I know that lives in Edmond, uh, he said she's done with it. She doesn't want to remember it at all, and she respectfully declines. And I don't blame her. And and I think a lot of people, we may have heard some of that this morning, on the twentieth uh, anniversary, that there's just some people who say I really want to put this behind me, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's deal I with think it it differently, you know? Know? I well, and I think it's a tribute to the mental health mm-hmm. that they've had some professional counseling that say I have to live in the moment, yeah. I have to live for today, and uh, if I keep looking back, it'll it's going to suck down. me in, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think as a history lesson, this podcast uh, it's it's living history. It really is. And uh, you're hearing it from the people who were there who right. saw it, who planned uh, the response. And uh, to me, it's an amazing deal. And I thank God for Brenda. She and I go way back as mm-hmm. buddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she's done a fab, fab- uh, fabulous I would, I would job. Thank you Rick. guys have done an awesome job.
0: And yeah. I feel like we've been quite immersed in Oklahoma City history lately because with Mick Cornett's movie coming out, Oklahoma City, The Boom, The Bust, and The Bomb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I think that thing hits the two and a half hour mark almost. And there was so much in that they did that I didn't remember or or didn't know. And it was part of Oklahoma City's history. So having recently seen that and then listening to this combined, I mean, it's, I mean, I already loved my home and proud of my city as it was, but Mm -hmm. now it's, it's even more so. And that's what really struck
4: me about the movie, and again, kind of going and listening to your guys' cast, is the way Mick's movie ends, he doesn't get too deep into the bomb. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but he just sort of talks about it, shows some images, and and generally tells you that it happened, but it was, it's about the story and the placement in Oklahoma City's history that that occurred was like, it was literally like just the final blow. Like, we'd had so many ups and downs, and there'd been downs, and then right as we're trying to get maps and really invest in ourselves... This happens, mm-hmm. and it had both. It had really negative impacts, obviously, but at the same time, it had a really positive impact because at the the result of it was Oklahoma City coming back together and saying, "Okay, we're we're done being downtrodden and beaten." And, and President
2: Clinton referenced that this morning in his That's speech nice. about how you know we took what this horrible horrible thing that could have just destroyed us, and we came back, and we came back stronger. We came back stronger. Yeah. Into, so much stronger into what
3: uh, is now being referred to as the OK standard.
0: Yeah, this was something that I was I not actually just with.
3: recently learned that this was the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the OK standard is uh, it's three things: it's an act of service, an act of honor, and an act of kindness. Right. And I think today was a, a big unveiling of that. In fact, on the podium for the for the speakers it said OK standard underneath it, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great way to carry forward. The message to younger generations of why we are continuing to have these memorials and why we do the run every year, mm-hmm. um, so that that kind of gave me cold chills when I saw that come up.
1: Well, I think Sam Presty, who's uh, what is he, general manager the of the Thunder, Thunder for yeah. the Thunder, that was really uh, the Oklahoma Standard existed through FEMA because they saw the response and and reporters and people who came here really for the most part, if you had a strike team from. Uh, LA or Phoenix or wherever it was and they mm-hmm. came in they didn't have to pay for hotels they didn't have to pay for food no. they we gave them free room and board the kids they had a note from a kid every night there was a rose or some type oh, of flower on their caravan. pillow every night mm-hmm. that's great I've never heard uh, that. there's all types of stuff that they measured and a lot of it has to do John Hanson explains that we we train for disasters here because of tornadoes mm-hmm. so we were trained for that but not really building collapses of that caliber. So we already, in the FEMA community, uh, that standard, it now uh, 9-11, uh, what else has happened, Boston Marathon, mm-hmm. they all measure their responses by uh, the Oklahoma standard. And that's the goal oh. for every okay. community. Mm-hmm. If there's an event in your town, it's, it's called the Oklahoma standard. So, But what we're trying to do, this 51% of people who are new is to say, Hopefully you know that this is what we stood for then, and we still stand for it now. And Sam Presti said he realized uh, uh, the standard when he came here, and I guess he was traveling with the team or whatever, and there had been a storm, and trees were knocked down and limbs and all this stuff in his yard. And he had been traveling, and he came home, and his neighbor had gone and cleaned up his yard. And had stacked the <laughs> tree limbs and cut them up and had them ready to be picked up. And he said, you're not going to find that anywhere like, that else that would in the never country. have happened <laughs> somewhere <laughs> else. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we kind of take it for granted. We all grow up here. That's what we yeah, do. That's what we do. Uh, but it's not true. I've lived in Providence. I'm not sure where you live. I lived in Waco. Waco's a neat town. But uh, Providence, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, back east for a few years in, in television. And they wouldn't have done that there. I mm-hmm. might have done it for my neighbor, but my neighbor wouldn't have done <laughs> it for me. They'd be like, I, whatever.
0: I, I worked for an insurance company during the last big tornado and volunteered it. Um, you know, they set up, all the insurance companies will set up their first response buses mm-hmm. in the Baptist Church parking lot there and more. And, man, that that's a, that's another event where, you know, you're watching the people come up who's, I, I, I spoke with a lady that was the third time her house has been destroyed and more and she was like, <laughs> I'm not leaving She's right. like, this is my home. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody there were we would go through, you know, neighborhoods and, and see what happened. And that's one of the things that I remember thinking the most. It's like these people here and more like they are the salt of the earth, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. It was Resilient. such amazing people.
1: Yeah.
2: They're like brothers and sisters. I think that's kind of how I see our community is, you know, if something happened to me I feel like my community would come in and help take care of me Mm -hmm. as if I were their family. Exactly. And, you know, I believe that here. I love it here for that reason.
3: Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming out. Um, The website is realmysteries.us. Yes. You got it. And uh, you're hoping to wrap it up by the time the Memorial Marathon occurs on the 26th. That's Hope a week to. From
0: today. I'm running yeah. in that
3: with my daughter. I'm looking forward to that.
1: We we'll probably have two episodes that come out this yeah. this week. Once you guys air on Monday, there'll probably be hopefully two that release that week.
2: Yeah, we did some interviews yesterday, so okay. Yeah. Great.
1: Well, then make sure you guys get out and visit uh, the memorial.
3: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Take a tour of the museum. Worth come it. out
0: and support. Actually, I guess this is probably going to air after the marathon happens, isn't it? Um, Hopefully you were at the marathon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you've recovered. So, and you you've recovered.
2: Rehydrated.
4: <laughs> now you can
2: sit and put your feet up That's and exactly listen to right. all 12 <laughs> Right, and,
4: and get a real sense of why it is you ran the yeah. marathon.
0: Exactly. Right,
3: absolutely.
0: Well, and yeah. thank you again, Brenda thank and Rick, you. so much. Thank you. guys you, Brenda, are you. amazing. Really Great show. Nice. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see it. you
3: thank too. Nice. To meet you.
4: Well, as always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown. That's available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. And it was recorded by Kurt PR. Kurt's awesome. (laughs) You can find us at www.waftyshow.com. That's W-A-F-T-I. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Waftyshow. We are on SoundCloud.com slash Waftyshow. Facebook.com slash Waftyshow. We're everywhere. So we come out with a new episode every Monday. So check back. Always keep up with what's going on in Oklahoma City.
3: And remember, you guys, as you got into Oklahoma City and venture through all of our districts, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, your waitresses, your bartenders. Take care of those in the service industry who make this a great place to go venture into. And be nice.
4: Be nice. Be nice. See you next yeah. week.
3: Thank you, guys. Woo. Bye.
1: You get the whiskey, baby. I'll
0: get the wine baby when i'm stuck here yes.